Greetings, I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. All of us are on a spiritual journey, whether we think of ourselves as religious people or not. We have spiritual needs that must be met. If they are not, we suffer spiritually, emotionally, and even physically. The Old Testament of the Bible serves as sacred scripture and source of inspiration for both Jews and Christians. And many of the Bible stories apply to Islam. Beyond that, many of the stories and teachings of the Old Testament are universal in scope and can provide wisdom and guidance to anyone who will open their hearts and minds to them. Today I'm going to be talking about an incident in the ancient book of Exodus that's foundational to the Jewish faith. It's a story of deliverance, which serves as the basis for an important Jewish celebration, the Passover. It also serves as the context for Christian celebrations of Easter and weekly Holy Communion. It's a story that's relevant beyond the times when Passover and Easter are celebrated, which is in the springtime, and it's one of those stories in which anyone can find meaning. Reading a story about plagues might be expected to give some insight into the pandemic, which we're dealing with. So join me as we read how the Passover came about. We'll read it with modern eyes, looking for a message spoken to our time. The reading comes from Exodus 12. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go, select lambs for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood in the basin. None of you shall go outside the door of your house until morning, for the Lord will pass through to strike down the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you down. You shall observe this rite as a perpetual ordinance for you and your children. When you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he has promised, you shall keep this observance. And when your children ask you, what do you mean by this observance? You shall say, it's the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck down the Egyptians, but spared our houses. And the people bowed down and worshipped. The Israelites went and did just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron. Here ends the reading. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me provide a bit of a backstory for the reading we just heard. The children of Israel found themselves living in Egypt under the oppressive rule of the Pharaoh. Moses and his brother Aaron confront the Pharaoh and plead for him to release their people from bondage so that they can return to their place of origin, Palestine. Pharaoh's heart is hardened and refuses to let them go. So God sends ten plagues to Egypt to change his mind. The plagues include turning water into blood, infestations of frogs, gnats, flies, locusts, boils, livestock disease, destructive thunder and hail, and crippling darkness. 
you think we have problems. If you need a refresher on those plagues, spend an evening watching Cecil B. DeMille's classic movie, The Ten Commandments. Plagues make for great drama. When Pharaoh fails to free the Israelites after the first nine plagues, he prepares the coup de grace. He will send the angel of death, or the destroyer, as it is referred to in the Bible, to take the life of every firstborn male in Egypt, which would include Pharaoh's firstborn son. God provides protection for the Israelites. On the night that the angel of death is sent to make his lethal rounds, they are to paint their doorposts with the blood of a sacrificial lamb so that the angel of death will pass over their homes. The Israelites are saved from the final plague and make their escape to begin their journey to the promised land. At the beginning of the journey, God instructs them to annually celebrate the Passover through prescribed rituals to remind them of how God saved them and delivered them from slavery. Jesus, who practiced the rituals of Judaism, celebrated this Passover rite with his disciples the night before he was handed over to be tried and eventually executed. For Christians, Holy Communion is a reenactment of this Last Supper, which we celebrate regularly to remind us of God's faithfulness to the children of Israel and his continued faithfulness to us through the gift of salvation that we receive through Jesus Christ. Long story short, God is faithful to us. God will rescue us from every kind of evil that is sent our way, including any kind of plague that comes about. God will rescue us from the angel of death. Now, how do these plague stories help us to understand our own predicament? Or what good will reading them do to help us understand our own suffering and loss? To be honest, the story of the Passover may raise more questions than it answers. First, we're always looking for a cause to our suffering or the plagues that we face. What, if anything, did we do to deserve this current pandemic? We know what the Israelites did to deserve the plagues. Nothing. God sent those plagues to force the Pharaoh to let his people go. Sending plagues was the equivalent of using cluster bombs in warfare. The Israelites were collateral damage. The plagues didn't discriminate between the sinners and the saints. God wasn't directly punishing them. Not only did they not deserve the plagues, but they had done nothing wrong to deserve enslavement. As Jesus says in Matthew 5.45, God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. And we know that from experience. Bad things happen to good people and bad people alike. It's only the last plague for which, from which God shields them from disaster that he reigns on the rest of Egypt. It's amazing that the Israelites remained faithful to a God who had caused them such suffering. It's a wonder that instead of celebrating the Passover, they didn't institute a ritual of airing grievances against God. But when we look at the Passover celebration, that's part of what they did. 
The question of the origin of suffering comes up a lot in the Bible. Once, when Jesus and his disciples were walking along the road, they spot a blind man. The sick and the disabled were openly and tragically on display in their world. The disciples asked, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind so that God's work might be revealed in him. Now, we can come up with many examples from the Bible that our suffering is not the consequence of something that we've done to offend God. How God's work might revealed in suffering is something to which we will return later. Some modern religious leaders have jumped to answer the question, who sinned that the coronavirus pandemic is killing our friends and family? They trot out the usual examples of disobedience to God. The pandemic is the re result of widespread immorality and refusal to follow God's law. Same-sex marriage and abortion are always near the top of that list. I saw someone post on Facebook that the pandemic is the result of rising global secularism, as evidenced in the United States by our taking God and prayer out of our schools. Common sense and the biblical witness would argue against any of these simple cause and effect answers. We sometimes suffer due to the direct consequences of our actions, but that does not seem to be the case with regards to the pandemic. It's raining on everybody. In the case of the pandemic, the human suffering that we're experiencing is not the result of sins that we've committed. How we have responded to the spread of this disease is another matter. But viruses are part of nature. They are fragments of the genetic material always present in our bodies and in our environment. Attempts to assign blame for the origin of the pandemic are futile despite desperate attempts to place blame through conspiracy theories. The celebration of Passover is not about trying to explain the origins of suffering or to place bl blame on God or anybody. The purpose of the Passover is to remind us that God rescued his people from bondage. The Israelites did survive the night that the angel of death, or the destroyers referred to in the Bible, passed over. They escaped, escaped across the Red Sea to begin their journey into the promised land. Therefore, I'm suggesting that we think about the Passover as we enter a dark winter when all of the indications point to an increase of coronavirus infections, hospitalizations, and deaths. And it's not to assign blame for the pandemic, but to re be reminded of God's presence through it. We need to be reminded that God delivered the Israelites from bondage to, to Pharaoh, and God will deliver us from the current plague and bondage to it, and give us strength to escape on the other side. Don't get me wrong. The Passover is not a naive assurance that everything's going to be peachy. The Israelites and the Jews in modern times have lived a history of oppression dispossession, and suffering 
Recall what happened to them after they escaped from Egypt. They were forced to wander in the Sinai Desert for 40 years before they finally reached the Promised Land. And the Passover ritual itself was celebrated when their descendants were hauled off into slavery to Babylon hundreds of years later. There would be many occasions to remind themselves of God's faithfulness in order to find the strength to go on. The foods served during the Passover meal are direct reminders of the suffering that the Israelites experienced, not just a celebration. Celery or parsley is served dipped in salt water as a reminder of the tears shed by the Israelites. A bitter herb, usually horseradish, is served as a reminder of the bitterness of slavery. Heroset, a mixture of dried fruit, nuts, and wine, recalls the mortar that the Israelites used as slave in the construction of buildings for Pharaoh. A boiled egg, however, is served as a reminder of life and the perpetuation of existence. And finally, a lamb shank represents the sacrificial lamb which provided the blood smeared on the doorpost. This is not a McDonald's happy meal. It is a solemn reminder of suffering and perseverance. All the while, God is present in the midst of his suffering people. For Christians, Christ is inserted in the midst of the story. In the celebration of communion, which in the church is a reminder of the Passover meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples, Jesus becomes the sacrificial or paschal lamb. The bread and wine represent his body and blood. God is not far off waiting for us in heaven after we die, after this is all over. He is present with us, suffering with us through our own suffering and death. Christ is with us in our journey to the promised land. But our life is the journey, not the destination. We must carry on. The question that Passover raises for us is not why the pandemic happened or why God allowed or caused it to happen. Those questions are futile. The answer is what do we need to do? How do we help each other through this plague and all the other plagues of life? What does the life and sacrifice of Christ teach us about our role as Christians today? Remembering that he's here with us. First of all, Passover teaches us that there is a time to mourn and lament. It's part of Passover. It's a time to cry out in despair and even in feelings of abandonment. We have something to complain about. This is a time to taste our own bitter tears of suffering and loss. We mourn those who have died. We mourn the little losses we suffer every day. The little joys of life that we expect, like being with those we love. And some of those we've lost forever. Jesus threw himself down on the ground in the Garden of Gethsemane and wept over his own suffering which represents the suffering of the whole world. Not to mourn and lament dishonors those who have died and minimizes our suffering. But then it's time to move on. It's time to think about who are the most vulnerable among us and how we can help them. 
how we can be with the survivors. We are to carry on the mission of Christ with him at our side. On the simplest level, we help the most vulnerable by acting responsibly ourselves. Wearing masks, social distancing, and avoiding unnecessary gatherings are little sacrifices that we're being called upon to make. Jesus' whole life was sacrificial. Our small sacrifices are signs of love and compassion that we learn from the life of Christ. Now, when we speak of the most vulnerable, we're including people all around the world who are suffering. God's presence is global. You know, in the Middle Ages, when the plague hit, the powerful and the privileged would abandon the vermin-infested cities where the disease bred and retreat to their country homes, where they were less likely to be exposed. The plague disproportionately affected the poor, just as it does today. Although the coronavirus has spread to every corner of the globe, some of us have the luxury of limiting our exposure, while others do not. When a vaccine is developed, the powerful and the privileged among us will be the first in line for protection. But our Christ consciousness requires that we work tirelessly to provide universal access to prevention and treatment. We can't retreat to our villas. The suffering caused by the coronavirus extends beyond medical issues. Millions of people have lost their jobs. Many can't afford to pay their rent or mortgages or put food on their tables. Small businesses have had to close. We will need to work to help people recover. This extends beyond prayer and worship. It will entail action and hard work. It requires our personal action, but it will also require effective public policy. At the current time, like the Israelites after the Exodus, we are wandering in the wilderness. It is not, and it will not, be an easy journey. Simply pronouncing that God will make it turn out well in the end just doesn't cut it. Seeing God in our midst as we journey will make it possible for us to move forward and, yes, in the end, to reach our promised land where we have defeated the coronavirus. So remember the Passover. As God commanded the Israelites, observe this rite as a perpetual ordinance. Remember, God is with us. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. I hope that you come back next week. In the meantime, may God bless you and keep you. May God make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God look upon you with favor and grant you health and peace. Amen.